This is the Australia Report with Vic Aladev. Good day, mate. Vic Aladev, good morning. Before I chat to you, just taking a look at one or two of our messages. Carol Z, I'm not reading your rude message. You're going to need to simmer down. And Anton L says with a Spain story, what about that song, Hot Chocolate? It started with a kiss. I think for, uh, for, for him, it kind of ended with a kiss. If you know what I mean, he's been asked to resign. Vic Aladev, a very good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, Howard. I'm very well, thank you. Good. Uh, the, it's, uh, it's a big week in Australia. Lots and lots of stories to talk about. The one that I'm fascinated about is how private investigators exposed Malkalifa. I wasn't aware of this. An extraordinary story in, indeed. 200 hours of undercover footage of Malkalifa going about her daily chores in Israel was a, was a pivotal piece of evidence. Ah, I do remember that. I do remember because they were trying to prove that she was perfectly, well not perfectly, but that she was sane enough to stand trial when, when they were alleging in Israel that she was not. Exactly right. So there's a piece of footage and it's actually available to see. You can, it runs for about, I don't know, a minute no, and a half. I was just going to say, I don't think I could watch 200 hours of Malka Lifer going up, no. doing her shopping. This was in December 2017, right. and this vision capture of her, where she's in a, it looks like a supermarket. She's picking up this item, she's paying for that item, and this vision was captured secretly by an undercover private Israeli private investigator and a sexual abuse victims advocate in Israel. And and uh, and the amazing thing is, so this footage was shot, was shot secretly, specifically during Hanukkah. And she was living in a, understand, in a small area somewhere in the north of Israel. And so the investigator's concern was strangers suddenly pop up in this strange place, in this place, they would be identified as being strangers. So they, so they disguised themselves as construction workers. And they had half a dozen cameras, which they used in this operation, some hidden in cars, some hidden in bottles of water. And they filmed her going about her shopping, buying groceries, going to the post office, etc., etc. And this footage shows exactly what you just said. She's capable of living independently, does not appear to be mentally unfit, as a lawyer stated that she was, and, uh, and then in 2021, as we know, extradited to this country. And, uh, and just last week, as we reported, sentenced to 15 years, of which 11 and a half years is non-parole period, but what that boils down to that given she has spent over 2,000 days already in incarceration, first in Israel and then here in Australia, effectively she will serve another five and a half years in prison, which means that she'll be eligible for parole in June 2029. So effectively she's in prison for another five and a half years having already been in jail for approximately six years. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I, I wonder, you know, there's always arguments around this. Is it enough? Isn't it, isn't it enough? I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that no matter what the period is, it'll never feel enough. But on the other hand, the fact that she has been found guilty, the girls have been vindicated, and uh, that she is, that she is uh, at least facing a, a good period in prison, I would imagine is a bit of a comfort for them. And and exactly and and it's obviously it's the most important thing is the is the hopefully please God there's a deterrent message out mm, there mm. that anybody might be considering this would think hang on a second I don't want to go to jail for this time 
And just adding to, to the situation is that an, investiga an investigative journalist has been covering all of the above for, for and, and is producing a feature-length documentary about this whole case, and which included a film crew being embedded with the three sisters uh, during the six-week trial in Melbourne. And this film is now, according to reports, due to be released next year. So the issue will get you know, further coverage in, looks like, in about a one year's time. Again, when this documentary goes onto mainstream, whatever mainstream yeah, channel yeah. it goes onto. Incredible. The, uh, the author of Jews Don't Count is in Australia. I saw this on, on social media. I thought that that's quite, uh, quite incredible. Tell us about it. It has been incredible, and I had the privilege of spending quite a bit of time with him. His name is David Badil, and I'm sure a lot of mm. listeners have read his book. And uh, so we've just had the Sydney Jewish Writers' Festival, and so David Badil was brought out as the star act of that, and he also spoke in Melbourne as well. And, and so he spoke on a number of panels, and, uh, and what was also part of the festival was a one-hour documentary, uh, also called Jews Don't Count in which David Bedell, and for people who are not familiar with his work, for 27 years he was a television comedian in the UK, and then two years ago he changed track, and he published this book, Jews Don't Count. And what it is, it's a very brief, about 100 pages polemic, about the refusal to identify Jews as a minority group who have not only suffered persecution, but indeed the worst genocide in modern history. And he cites such things as, you know, Whoopi Goldberg arguing that the Holocaust was not about race. Or uh, a Danish comedian, Sophie Hagen, who lists, quote, the most oppressed people in society, such as black people, people of color, queer people, trans people, Muslim people, people with disabilities, close quote, <laughs> and happens to just overlook one of the most persecuted minorities in history. And that is what his book is all about. And that's what his documentary is all about. And it's very effectively done. And he interviews people like David Schimmer, Schimmer from Friends and Stephen Fry and, and, uh, and well-known characters talking about this very point. So it's, uh, it's very powerful and he was very effective. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he's just spent the last, in a few days, here at the Jewish Writers Festival. Absolutely, absolutely amazing. And uh, finally, Australian Jewish leaders deconstruct anti-Semitism. So this is, his name is Alex Rifkin. He's co-CEO of our Executive Council of Australian Jury. And he just this week as well, he has just published his fourth book. It's yeah, in fact, it's interesting. Seven. I had messaged him early this morning to say that I believe ah. you've published a new book. We definitely need to talk about it. So uh, interesting. Oh, yes, Alex is fabulous. He's a good friend of mine. And his book is The Seven Deadly Myths, Anti-Semitism from the Time of Christ to Kanye West. And what Alex does very brilliantly is he takes what he calls the seven deadly myths and, and he's talking about the blood libel, Christ killers, global domination, the chosen, money obsession, dual loyalties, and going from oppressed to oppressors. And so what he's doing is deconstructing this, what he's identifying as the seven biggest tropes which underpin anti-Semitism. And he does it uh, extremely lucidly and powerfully, etc. 
and uh, and I'm not getting commission for this, but I recommend everyone should go go to Amazon wherever and buy Alex's book, The Seven Deadly Myths. It's That's, outstanding. Uh, absolutely brilliant. I certainly hope to do exactly that. That is where we leave it. Vic Aladef, thank you as always. Vic is the former CEO of the New South Wales Jewish Board of Deputies. We chat to him every Tuesday at this time. It's 7 o'clock. I'm Howard Feldman. Good morning.